Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Richard Listens Podcast, and thank you for joining me. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist, and I am your host. And I want to appreciate all of you for tuning in, working on your mental health through listening for tools, reaching out, and being open to the ideas of my guests who are influential in their respective fields in one way or another. Today, we have Mr. Ken Hanneman from Ungraduated, and he is an executive leader in the restaurant industry with the responsibility of 700 plus restaurants. In addition to his corporate responsibility, he's also an author, writer, and mindset coach. He's the husband and uh, to his wife and best friend, Crystal, They've been together over 20 years. Ken has gone on his journey from nothing to everything in his story. He's been through his relationships on many different levels, and he's had the ability to reflect on what in life has made him successful. Having met, coached, and observed the lives and careers of thousands of different individuals, Ken has come to the realization that happiness, purpose, health, and wellness, along with personal and professional success, are the result of mindset and belief systems, which is what we're going to get into and uncover today. We often allow our lives to be defined by others through education, religion, governments, and other organizations that indoctrinate us into the belief system that that life is lived only one way, and that is their way. Ken helps others find their way through their why. In his perspective, it just requires a little bit of ungraduation from the old views of bygone era and the ability to see with new eyes how we shape our lives for the better or for the worse through our belief systems. Through his own life experiences and rewiring of his own programming, Ken has broken free of outdated belief systems that were holding him back from his passions and desires. His life well-lived is a result of his own inner work reflection and real-life learnings that he hopes will inspire all of you. Without further ado, I look forward to unpacking belief systems and getting to know our guest, Ken Hanneman. All right, without further ado, welcome, Ken Hanneman, to the show. Thank you so much for reaching out and making time today for us. Pleasure to be here, Richard, and uh, definitely intent on bringing a positive message wherever the conversation takes us for your audience today. I'm excited to go there and explore. Let's get deep, have some fun. I love it. I love it. There's no fear, no place you're not willing to go. Tell me, uh, what color is your background in your office? It's hard to tell right now because um, it's getting darker on, well, not East Coast, but Eastern Standard Time. It's green. It's like forest green, but it's starting to look black as the uh, light in the room is waning. But yeah, it's I love green. it. I'm a green man and it, it, it evokes calm for all your, for all the listeners. So, you know, I just want to take everyone who's on audio right now into a calm zen place <laughs> you deep breaths there's also a bunch of books up behind me those who can't see probably but avid reader and lifelong learner so yes that helps with the the peace of mind i guess the calmness of the office and the books behind me as well too so yeah so how do you make time for it all so you're you're a corporate trainer is it corporate leadership you do your own podcast making time to come on other people's guests uh shows you're reading you're learning and you're inspiring individuals to look deeper at their own belief systems which is very powerful itself how do you do it all very purposefully uh no but seriously with with a lot of intent and I think we all heard the adage, we have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, yada, 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 all that good jazz, which is true. But I really am purposeful with my intent. I've discovered my purpose in life. And that thankfully came about 10 years ago in terms of my own research and study. 
And for a long time, I consumed, 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 and just could not get my hands off of great knowledge. And I still do a lot of that. And I just habit stack so that as I'm traveling or working out, I'm still consuming. But I've decided to take action, which I think is a big part of the purpose process is you can learn all you want to help yourself. But at some point, what are you doing for the greater good? How are you serving others and trying to bring value into their lives? So how I make time for it is, yeah, it's, I have a great team first and foremost. So in my corporate restaurant space, I'm responsible for around 700 or so restaurants. All of that is done with a team underneath me of about 50 or so people of which I manage six. So I manage the six people that paint a picture and a strategy for where we're going in the business world and then very purposefully work my calendar and allow some flex time in for the Mondays and Fridays where I generally do my podcasting or writing or mindset work that I'm going to talk to you or whatever else that you want to talk about today that might be of value. So it is with a lot of purposeful intent and planning and trying to not waste time. Having some downtime is important for the recharge, but not wasteful of time. So it's not easy, but I do enjoy the challenge of it and the purposeful work that I do. And in your own journey, I know a lot of my clients come to me and they're like, you know, do I need to leave my job to start questioning purpose and belief system? Like when, you know, when did that start for you? And, you know, can you still be working your grind and beginning to study and think outside the box about where your purpose is coming from? You absolutely can. It's a great call out. I think a lot of people, when they have that epiphany, that lightning bolt hit them of their purpose is X, and they all of a sudden say, well, I'm not in my role that can fulfill my purpose. You can. And there are times that make changes, but certainly understanding that look first to not rock your boat too much and say, depending on what your purpose is, how do you find your corporate responsibility or entrepreneurial responsibility, whatever walk of life you're in, how can you add value to that company or business in what you're passionate about? And that could be in terms of anything, the environment, philanthropic aspects, uh, development of people, coaching, you name it. There are some times when people have to look outside, but the best time to look, I've always been taught is why you have and I don't look outside without saying, how do I make impact first in my business? That's what I've been doing for 20 or so years in leadership is I'm passionate about people and helping people like I once was coming to the restaurant business, thinking it's a dead end place and helping inspire them through mindset and belief systems to remove those things and move up in the organization that's, that's been so fruitful and great for me. And having been a high school dropout is one part of what fuels me as well too, because I was labeled a failure from the very get, even though I did well in school, it's a long story. We can talk more about it if you want to, but making that decision and then getting my GED could have derailed me in any different wide varieties of directions, but it took me a while to figure out my purpose. And when it came to people and helping others, thankfully I was already in that role to do it. And I'm just branching out more. But for the people listening, you don't have to just up and quit your job and go somewhere else. Find ways of how to make impact inside of your current responsibilities. Chances are they exist, or you could find somebody who can help you bring them to fruition. So, yeah. So since you went there, yeah, let's go there. Because I, you know, after college, right, found myself back home working at three or four different restaurants. And you learn a lot about 
people in the world through service and hustle. And you get to see who right, is cut out for that. I mean, that's it's not easy, right? Uh, to show up day in and day out. You learn people skills. You learn how to deal with difficult people. So, you know, how did you begin to define yourself on your own terms? And, and what, yeah, why restaurant business? What, what did you start to learn? What did you start to see in yourself that excited you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. It, it, for me, it was like my home away from home. And quite frankly, it was better. And my home was at the time. I come from a rougher northeast side of Pittsburgh, very small, uh, poor, old, rundown, rust belt, steel town that has nothing left, unfortunately. So the school system wasn't good either. So I found this community. I found this acceptance, if you will, and this escape to some level of the struggles at home as well as at school. And it became infectious to a point to where I was there more than I should have been. Let's just say this. I won't say the name of the place or who led me. I violated some labor laws back in the <laughs> late 90s. I was the first one to come in and say, I'll, I'll be there. And no matter what time it was, I was there. But the person that really saw that. Self-appointed manager in training. <laughs> correct. Yeah. And, and thankfully, someone saw that and you know put that proverbial arm around me and said, let me teach you some things about leadership because you got the work ethic piece figured out. And from there, it all took off. And yes, for a while, I had a chip to prove on my shoulder of high school dropout and cannot be a failure. And at some point in my early 30s, I did finish college. I actually went and got my business degree. The irony of all of that, though, was that by the time that I did it, it was a typical business school. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But I had already been taught finance, real estate development, HR, you name a department when it comes to business leadership and management. I had already been exposed to it. So I paid a lot of money for a piece of paper that said I was qualified, even though I was qualified in doing the role. So that was my ego. That was some indoctrination. That was some mindset that I had. I'm proud of the fact that I was a generational first to finish college, not just go to college, but finish it. Even being a high school dropout, it's kind of like those two things don't usually go together, but I had to prove to myself that I could do it. And I think at that point, Richard, is whenever I started to really internalize and say, okay, what next? I was 30-ish years old, having quote unquote made it, as society says, with a nice house, a wife, a good paying job. I'd got my college education and just didn't really know how to drive purposeful impact. Congratulations, so by the way, 20 years. Thank you. Yes. Your best friend. Congratulations. It, that is something that not many people can say. So I take it all the, all the while and she knows how grateful I am. But I definitely looked at how do I turn purpose into impact? And I wanted to make the lives of the people who I saw around me who didn't think they could do the same thing attainable for them. It's a lot of work through all that process, but it's what gets me going every single day. Right on. And so I take it along the way this helped inspire or ungraduated. <laughs> it, is a, it is a made up word. So trust me. Yes, I know. It's not always <laughs> the easiest to say. That was a choice I had to kind of run with. Hey, the domain was available because it's those made up words. But yeah, so ungraduated is a tongue in cheek. Didn't do it the normal way of society in terms of high school, college, car, house, family, all those things just didn't happen in that way. Plus, there's a lot of things society says we're supposed to do that we don't need to do, not in all cases. And I'm not a big, I like lifelong learner and being self-driven, but I don't always love education, how we fit everybody into a box 
if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or some other highly specified fields, I suggest you go to college to get that education. <laughs> I would not want to be underneath the knife of a doctor that has not done the proper work. But I don't think all successful people must go to college. There's a lot of great life experience out there that we can be self-taught. It's just the indoctrinations and beliefs that we have to do a certain thing, which unfortunately in today's society could put a lot of people backwards before they can go forwards. And then they don't even, they don't even use that degree in so many cases, which is unfortunate as well too. So I love learning. I just don't love all the ways that we educate and make people believe they have to channel themselves to be successful. Well said. Yeah. I, I met, I was just thinking of a conversation I had with a teacher I met and I, I looked over at him when I was getting excited. You mentioned, uh, you know, spirituality is one of the topics and, and I met him and I said, gee, I have a lot to learn. And he said, you know, mostly unlearning. There you go. And it always stuck with me. He didn't elaborate on that, but I think I run up against that more often than not, you know, even in this idea around pursuing a PhD and there's never another train. There's never, there's always more trainings, more certifications, more specializations. And yet more often it's about unlearning a lot of the stories that we carry around as uh, I do a lot of work with men, but all, you know, humans carry around a story about who they need to be, how they need to be, where they're not enough. Um, and always trying to measure up. And I, I think, you know, Adam Grant in his book, Think Again, talks a lot about exactly what you're saying about how many physicians there are that really were skilled at something. And they kept thinking they were going to get back to it. And yet, then, right, the fellowships come and the, the student loan debt. And right, there's, there's like sunk costs where we stay on a path, uh, rather than staying with what our true passion is. Uh, so how do you right? Uh, engage either your audience or individuals around their belief systems? And how do we start separating from these mindsets? The first thing, and it's another great question. And I guess I was fortunate to be blessed with the always asking why gene, or maybe I'm just wired that way. I don't know, but I, I had to always ask why. And, and the thing I hated the most was because I said so. And parents are guilty of this. I, I I was on the receiving end from my wonderful stepfather at the time, and I wasn't really trying to annoy him. I really needed to understand why the things I was being told that didn't make sense to me didn't make sense to me. So where I'm going with this is I would start with what things do you tell yourself or do you live by that aren't your beliefs? They're just somebody else's story or somebody else's book or protocol that they gave you to the path of life and happiness. And do we even stop to think about it? Do we actually pause to say, what, you know, why am I here? What is my purpose? So there's a couple things. I think you got to first ask yourself those big, tough questions that not everybody's comfortable with, which is what is my purpose, which I do think we all have one. It does not need to be a world stage, grandiose, uh, changing life impact, but we all are here for a reason. I believe that philosophically, but then it starts in terms of really getting yourself empowered and into the right place that you're in the driver's seat and you're in control it's realizing how powerful the human mind is and how we've been led to believe i think through my own research and experience that everything is external facing and whatever happens to us happens not because of us but because of others and that is just a paradox that has to be flipped because 90 percent of life is in our control and we have to look at ourselves to say what is it that's causing me to be at the place that i'm in and chances are, 
chances are if you're not in the right place, it's some kind of self-accountability, some kind of mindset, or you're living somebody else's story and blueprint that doesn't work for you. So that's where it all starts, I think. Yeah. And it, it's so complicated, right? To separate from these stories and to even acknowledge that there is a different way or we have a different choice to make that freedom, giving ourselves that freedom. It's not easy. It's never easy. It's something that I think everybody who sits there and ponders on these big life questions, we go with what humanity has taught us over the eons of time or what the the scriptures say or what the philosophers of times past said, or even what our current modern day governments or societies say. We're very much caught up in, in a authoritative, um, external looking society where most of, of humankind is directed and told how to how to live. And I'm kind of more for breaking that that paradigm or just shifting into that let me create my own path. Now I'm not for just haphazardly saying yes to everything or not thinking things through. I do think that there are really good blueprints for success out there, but even those don't work for everybody. You know, I love the 5 a.m. club, but does it mean that everybody has to get up at 4 30 in the morning in order to be successful? I don't think <laughs> that they have to, right? Some people don't function well at that time. They function well at 12 midnight. So you just got to look at what works for you and really- I'm in that club, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just learn, find out for yourself what works for you and then you know tweak that blueprint or get people's advice on it, but, but work that line versus somebody else's. And how do you walk this line uh, when you meet people who work for you that are open to question and how do you, you know, this, this line of being in leadership, but then at the same time wanting to encourage creativity and freedom of choice? How do you support that line? It all starts with questions. You know, I think you got to get to really know your people and, and build trust. I, you know, I, somebody in my position, I don't ever take it too lightly that when I walk in, and believe me, the ego with me is almost gone. It's probably impossible to be gone, but I've done a lot of work against that. But that said, I know when I walk into a restaurant where you have a general manager or team members, hourly employees, my title might mean something to them. I remember how it felt whenever folks walked in uh, in my position, it, you know, it didn't always feel so good. So I'm always there for them first. And I begin with those questions of how's life for them and what are they excited about? What are they working on? What do they want to see change? Personal goals, really building the personal rapport with people. And even though I can't necessarily impact hourly employees because I don't see them, but once every couple of times a year, if they still work in our restaurants by the time that I see them. So it really is about impacting our leaders who touch the lives of so many other people. But even that takes a lot of trust. And certainly the people who work for me, who I'm very, very close to, and that's all my direct reports, and probably a lot of the 50 or so district managers who roll up to me as well, I spend more time with them. So I don't go into every conversation with, let's talk about your spirituality. It's where are you blocked in life? What struggles do you have? Tell me what you're doing to try to fix that. It's just asking a lot of questions and coming to it from a place of authenticity. Having walked their their walk, that's also something that helps as I've been in their shoes at one point or another. But I also just very much seek to understand, uh, come in with curiosity first and criticality second. And if I don't know, I don't pretend to know. It's the worst thing we can do as leaders 
is try to give advice like we know where they're coming from. So it's okay to say I don't have all the answers sometimes, but it really is about building trust and not coming out of the gate with forcing uh, your views or opinions, be it about life or business. It's a lot of questions, a lot of seeking to understand, helping them come along with you. And then if it doesn't work out, if they're a part of the idea process, then they're in the accountability zone versus me telling everybody how to go live and how to go do work. Things don't work out. It's quickly my fault. So it's a lot of questions, guiding people along the path that they're meant to walk with your guidance and not your own personal scripture, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, just even down to the, the most simple, basic creativity, right? That that if someone is in a role in a restaurant, doesn't feel like they can create a system that works well for everybody or, or impart their own unique footprint, then they're going to feel stifled. They're going to feel like they're just followers. You want to empower them too. Yes. We can't always do everything that they want, but if you can give them some wins along the way and, or explain the why, explain the why as to, as to how it's come, we can't do something. I think that's important versus no, we can't, but yeah, let them be the creators of their own realities and try to have you know, the ability to see some fruits of their own labor because they're there. And I don't want them to feel like they're a paycheck. I don't want them to feel like they're employee number that just punches a clock. I know we're not perfect in all ways in my business, but we really try to create that culture of empowerment, buy-in, goal setting, and then celebration of the people who are really leading the way that they're supposed to and setting the example. So it's not easy, but it's definitely a philosophy and a mindset to walk into the business with of how do you impact the lives of others first? And then the profits and sales always come second. They say have for me in 20 some plus years, and I don't expect it to change anytime soon. That's not an easy focus to shift off of in a leadership role in a business. <laughs> it's not, but you know, as well as I probably just by paying attention to the grocery stores or the restaurants, staffing is tough and availability of items is not good. And it'd be very, very easy to just walk in with, here's, here's how you go fix this whenever we know that they can't fix it. So it, it, it has to come down to, Hey, if I can make them want to work for me longer, if I can retain them longer, everything comes from that. I've, I've, I've often taught this and I, 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 I share it wide open. If there's one metric that I could study and try to practice to be great at, at least in my business, which is restaurants, retail, hospitality, it's employee retention. And so many businesses do not put a number to it or they're too lost in the numbers because it can, you know, there's different models for what that number is from an ROI standpoint. Forget all that. If you can't keep people, you can't drive your operations, <laughs> not in food, restaurants and hospitality until a day comes that all robots run everything, which I don't want to see that day personally. <laughs> I want people to know if they stick around longer, we're going to take care of them. And I want my leaders to know that they're going to have a better balance of life or what I call life harmony, not balance, but life harmony, because they're taking care of their people. It sounds easy to say every business owner says people first. They just don't all back it up. Well said. And so would you say that, you, you know, you mentioned spiritual learning and study. Would you say your mentorship came from the business realm or from spirituality? Like where, who inspired you to seek deeper questioning and to look deeper? Yeah, I'd say most of my development was business oriented. But when I got into the corporate space, 
particularly the current environment where I'm at now. I've been with this organization for 15 plus years. Anybody can go ask anybody from a cultural standpoint that we live the values. We really do preach dream big, work hard, get it done, have fun, play fair, and make a difference. And in those six elements, we teach people about life, okay? Not just overstepping with spirituality, but we talk about the will of life. And I remember sitting down as a district manager, being relatively new where I'm at now, and somebody saying, hey, besides all this work that you do that we love and how hard you work, where else are you missing out at? And are you even happy at work? So you have this will of life. You're probably familiar with this. Listeners might be as well, too, where you have work no, life. Tell you, us. Yeah. you have work life. You've got your home life balance. You've got travel and fun. You've got charitable aspects. You've got spirituality and a few other you know, hobbies and places. And on that will of life, you plot yourself currently with where you spend the majority of your time. And most often people put work. It's largely the, the, the one spike. So you kind of dot like connect the dots around this wheel on the percentage of time that you're currently spending in that wheel of life. And then you're asked to plot where you'd like it to be. And inevitably, it looks like a samurai star of some kind because you're all over the place instead of being well-rounded. And if there's a certain spot that's not important to you, if spirituality is not important to you, or if hobbies aren't important to you, then it's okay to put zero because you're not aspiring to have more of that in your life. So for me, it was just kind of like, wow, a company is actually asking me outside of the time I invest in them, where else I should be spending more time and how to create that balance. And it definitely is a long path to travel in the people business. We have to rely on others. So you got to train and trust and empower teams around you to run the restaurants successfully so that you can have more time. And a lot of that's great planning and building great teams and giving people accountability to make decisions so that you don't have to overstep and micromanage, which most people hate anyways. So that's where it kind of started in my late 20s. And then it wasn't the company that's, that fed me spirituality. It was me going deep on what my own spirituality was coming from a family where I was a part of four different churches and again, never understood why. Those questions were reinvented in my, call it mid to late 20s, where I began to seek, well, why is it this way? You know, why do we as humans have to fit ourselves in all these boxes constantly and say, this is the way? And I, but hey, I'm, I value people's faith. So I, I sit here, I have many conversations with a lot of people's uh, different faith and backgrounds that are resounded in their beliefs. And that's fantastic. I just look at all of that stuff and say, how does it make sense for me? Because I've never fit into a box comfortably when it's come to spirituality. So it was my own internalization, but also having some poking and prodding from a company that said, hey, we love you, but we don't want you to spend all your life here because you're not going to be very good after a long period of time doing it that way. Wow. And so did you start delving into, I know you mentioned you're an avid reader, into philosophy? I mean, where did, where did that send you in terms of your personal growth path? And was it the same, you know, were you able to share that kind of process and growth with your, your spouse? Is she also, personal question, but if you're willing to share, right, like what sure. did, were you matched or how were you met on this journey so you could keep going? 
I love that you've asked because it's in my my new book that came out, Ungraduated. And I tell the story. She's so mentioned inside of it throughout the entire thing because it was through her. I swear she's just more advanced than I am, or at least it took me longer to get to the point that she was because and coming into our relationship. The podcast and the book, Ungr- Ungraduated? Yes. Ungraduated Living and Learning is the podcast. Ungraduated is the book. So it's just, yeah, it, it's such a great story from my point of view, because I'm like a lot of other people. I was raised to believe a certain way. I was raised, I was born and baptized Catholic, raised in a Christian household, which I love very much. I think there's amazing values in all of those different teachings. And when I met my wife, though, I was very indoctrinated, I'll just say, to it has to be this religion, this type of church, or else you're going to hell. You're you're just not going to make it. And I remember talking to her saying, hey, um, what's your belief on this? And do you feel like you have enough spirituality and connection to God, whatever you believe God is in your life? And she said, me and God are just fine. And this is coming from a 19, 20-year-old woman at the time where most people just don't even think about those things these days. And it perplexed me because I loved her. And I said, well, I want, you know, whatever comes next in the afterlife, I want you there with me. So you should believe what I believe because I was told that's the right way. And she's like, well, I don't know who told you your way is the right way, um, but I'm fine not going to church every Sunday or, you know, not having to follow a ritualistic aspect. If I am living my life to the best of my ability and connect through my spirit to, to what my belief is and I live as a good human, I'm just fine. And for a while, I just didn't want to accept that. You know, I tried to push that belief on her that she needed to be what I believed to be correct. And again, I don't sit here to try to disgrace or defame or belittle anyone's uh, volitions in life because they all have a point and purpose. I just get wrapped up in why does it have to be a certain box? I think if you believe in a higher power of some sort that is not human, I don't believe that that higher power is out there choosing which will be accepted and which will not, which will be saved and which will not. I teach now from a spirituality standpoint I call it Christ consciousness, but you can just call it overall oneness and loving consciousness and energy and what what I believe God is, and there's a lot of different labels and words for that, but how you connect with that entity is your own special way. And you'll know in your heart if it feels right, if you can remove yourself from the indoctrination a lot of times it happens. And again, I'm not saying it's all bad. I think people were very well intended. It just gets sideways and it's been proven over history of mankind and humankind that <laughs> it gets sideways. So I don't know where you want to go with that, but but that's a big part of who I am and who I've become today. And I started oh, to, to try to answer your question of where to begin with the readings. I came across Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now. And that book changed my life. He talks about spirituality. He talks, Eckhart Tolle is famous for his present moment awareness, but he talks about Jesus. He talks about the Buddha. He talks about different religions and the the greatness of all of them combined, which tell the same thing in just a little bit of different ways, but yet we get lost in all of that. So when you can find yourself presently and you can understand what ego is, and ego is that attachment, it's not just the pompous, 
overbearing, obnoxious part of people that ego comes to be known as. It's recognizing that as a human species, we're we're trained and well, not even trained. It's a part of our DNA to belong to a tribe and to have acceptance. So we want to fit people into our tribe and it's not always conducive to the betterment of ourselves or those around us. And we'll lose friends and family because they don't see things how we see. And it expands well beyond religion is your uh, spirituality it goes into other aspects of life. So that book power of now led me down hundreds of books and different readings that helped my own awakening or personal awakening to shed a lot of the belief systems that I didn't know were holding me back that now feel so much more free and so much more uplifting. And I try within my rights and within my ways to help people see that, but I believe that they all find it when the time comes for them. Yeah, I mean, so many thoughts about what you just said and so powerful how you had a certain upbringing and yet we know maybe that like letting one another find our own spiritual path, respecting it, but then we get into a relationship and we carry that story that we should share the same, right? Or or we're projecting that on the people we know. So finding that depth to respect the search in someone else and to see the commonality, you know, I'm really inspired by that and and that you're creating that search within those around you and not trying to control it. You know, I just questions. That's all I say is just ask questions. And, and I do think this is one other point. I think some people a lot are afraid to ask those questions because if they don't get the answers that they want, it could shatter them inside. And that's a tough, tough place to be. And I don't know about the listeners of, of your show and how they may take this, but I would rather, and it, it's hard to know truth. So when I say this, this is not, I don't have any absolute truth either. Okay. I have my own experiences, which are truth to me, but that's what it comes to the, or when it comes to the ungraduation process, it's just asking questions to what you don't understand. And if you can't get answers from those who are teaching you, then seek out other answers that might make sense. You could take a blend of all things, and then you begin to find out that a lot of it is the same. Just not everybody has the answers, so they can't tell you, and you follow along blindly. And I get that's what faith is. Faith is not having all the answers. You have to have faith. But I also advocate there are some facts and truths out there. And if you aren't looking for those, you're doing yourself an injustice. But sometimes it's the fear of, oh, my goodness, I had no idea. And that could really cause people some, you know, disruption in their lives and even worse if they're not careful. So I understand the fear. The fear is another part of that ego that we got to push past and persevere through. It's not just about your business. It's about your, your personal life, too. Really good point. My book coming out will talk about the importance of having a community and mentors. So, you know, how do you help, right? If you're in a community where you're not able to think critically, if you're being fed toxic beliefs, and yet if this is the house you grow up in or the place you practice your religion or spirituality, or if this is the relationship, you know, how do we break from that, right? How do you find someone who can support your questioning? Or how do you just start to seek a little bit deeper inside so you don't get caught being a function of your environment? Definitely not an easy answer on that one because you're talking about an unknown that requires faith and guidance and certainly a tribal aspect of wanting to fit in and belong. So I think where I go with the answer to that question is you have to be okay getting out of your comfort zone and not fitting in. 
And that's a challenge for us. Um, I think when you put out the intention, this is where a little bit of the things that I, I teach and talk about can be considered woo-woo or metaphysical, but I, science is proving a lot of these things true, that thoughts are energy and there's a whole mental aspect to our lives and what we put out there with thought. You, you could call it law of attraction, woo-woo type stuff, or you can call it you just pay attention to things you weren't paying attention to. If law of attraction's too much for people to wrap their minds around, you just see things that you were not seeing by changing your mindset and seeking out the information. It's kind of like, you know, whenever you want that new car, you never notice that model on the road before until you want the car. Then you begin to notice it everywhere. <laughs> so you kind of get guided, you know, on where to go. And next thing you know, you're finding different websites and different prices and so on and so forth. It doesn't have to be a whole lot different when it comes to your spirituality. I think if you put out the intention of wanting to truly understand and ask questions, you'll find communities, you'll find people who can challenge you and help you along the process and aid you in those questions and answers. And be careful because if anybody tells you they have it all figured out, they're probably trying to mislead you too, because I don't know if anybody has it all figured out. But there are people on the path and the journey of spirituality that once you can remove the ego, I think you can really open yourself up to taking in a lot of the good and not be polluted with a lot of the other bad or evil things out there. I think you can tell in your heart when you're being misled or not. You have that gut instinct. You have that, that feeling inside that can tell you if you're on the right path or not. So it's hard to try to not be the puzzle piece that fits or it's hard being the piece that doesn't fit. But that's where it started for me. I had to get comfortable talking about these things and I had to risk, I hate, I hate to say it, but persecution and challenges from my family and people calling me crazy for you know getting off the path that they thought was the correct way. And it's all well intended and with love. People want to help the people that they love and care about, but they just most often don't have it all figured out either. So that's how they say sometimes that this growth in spirituality, as you work down the path, it can become a lonely place. But the part of that that's good is you're never lonely for long because the people that you need show up in your life. That's how it's worked for me. I've met many others who have had it work that way. And it's what I teach is that you will be surrounded by the people that will take you to the direction you're trying to go if you put out the intention and focus on it. So yes, it's not easy, but I would rather be walking the path of truth or what I define as my truth, being uh, over walking a path that is deceiving or doesn't feel right. And I'm just going along with because I'm told that's the way it's, that it's supposed to be. Wow. I mean, so many powerful things in what you just said. I mean, on the one hand, it, it makes me think of the, you know, people pleasing, you know, I do work in, in somatic psychotherapy, how your body stores emotions, these family relationships, and if you are just people pleasing and following and you're keeping your tribe together, sometimes a survival mechanism. So you're keeping your family intact or alive. But if you are emotionally suffering and you don't feel you can express your voice, these things manifest. Um, you know, this is from a physiological psychology standpoint um, and spiritual psychology standpoint as well, right? That this will show up in some blockage or way in which you cannot fully express yourself in your in your life. So it's very painful for me when I see this, uh, you know, with my clients when they're being kind of saddled that there isn't just a little bit of a space for them 
to breathe. I probably would have been the same if I was one of your clients back in my 20s. I suffered from anxiety. I suffered from a lot of uh, different depression and things that I was putting upon myself just because of a lot of the things that I was suppressing, I believe, at this point, going back and looking at it. So I can relate. It's hard I've to been, free yourself from there. those chains. It is, it is a burden mm-hmm. that many carry. And so finding that permission within yourself when there's so much reinforcement to stay in the service of others' needs or to stay in the same paradigm of that belief system uh, it goes down many paths too, not just spirituality, but success, happiness, money. There's so many different categories that you can go that we limit ourselves in because of not wanting to change and that fear of change and what might what might happen. We only we often only change whenever we have no choice but to change. Whenever life happens to us is all too often sadly, whenever people are forced into it. How would much rather be in the driver's seat of change? and kind of directing my life than being on the winds of change. Sometimes that happens too, but it is sad to your point to see it forced upon people for them to become broken first, unfortunately, before they can then climb back up. That happens all too often. And I'm sure you hear about self-love and that lack of that self-love is the number one thing I hear from people is they had to learn how to love themselves first and accept where they were before they could climb back up that ladder. So that I'm sure means you hear accept, all the time. that means like right and learning to accept yourself and love yourself. If you had to go get a job, you couldn't get that degree. Wherever you're at, you had to leave that relationship. You know, you had to do the hard thing that wasn't as glamorous. It means you need to love yourself because right, only you know the choices that you've had to make. And I always laugh. I mean, I was smiling when you were talking because. I mean, I took one class. I studied, I studied abroad during my junior year and I had just come off working three, four jobs and was still like dropping out of classes. I was, you know, what do you say? Shooting, shooting your nose despite your face or something. Yep, right. Yep. Like I'm running to like a hamster, you know, wheel in motion. I'm scrubbing pots and pans. So I'm not afraid of the hard work, but it's not getting me anywhere. I go and study abroad and there's one class with a professor. And I think this guy was like a genius in a foreign language. But in English, I couldn't understand them. And the class was in mysticism. So try putting together mystical concepts in a foreign language. I literally, (laughs) yeah. I like mysticism, but not the foreign language part of it. Um, That's tough to wrap your mind around. So I got, you know, the, the funny thing is I got an incomplete. In the class, I went back and I was always, then I was always judging myself because an incomplete just means, right, you didn't even really try hard enough to get the F or whatever you would have gotten if you'd get turned in the final exam. I had a few of those in my day, yes. So I know what you mean. <laughs> so I waited, I graduated and I said goodbye to my parents. I sent them home and I stayed in the in Florida for some reason. Two days later, someone walks at the door. They're holding a book from the same class that I studied when I was studying abroad. So that book went on to be the premise behind my dissertation 20 years later or whatever. So, you know, it just goes to show you, right, like like we're talking about, if you're open, if you're at this place of like really wanting to learn something, even if the language is the barrier, even if you've got to take some incompletes along the way, if they, like you started to mention in, in your bio, right, the law of attraction, if it's there for you and it's meant for you and you are curious about it and you start looking, you'll find the mentors, you will find those who may have experience or may be able to open a door for you, even just to answer a few questions to give you just a hint of the next step, right? And sometimes that's all you need is to remain curious 
and open, right? While you're working your day job, while you're doing your grind, while you're dealing with the hand that life's dealt you, so that you know that you are free to pursue your why. And that's so well said. So well said, man. I I often say that intentions where it begins, but action tells the universe or the higher powers that be your higher self, whatever you want to label God, that you're serious and that more things then come into you. I don't think you can just sit there and think yourself into all these realities. That's a big component of it. But taking action it almost warrants the fact of, okay, we'll reward the person for their action with more of that stuff that they want. And it's just, it's powerful housework for me in my life. And I, you know, I wish more people would take a look at it because it really does seem to work. There's science behind it as well, too. So it's not just theory. There's actually some proven fact. Yeah. Well, I could philosophize with you all day, but let me know, you know, we want to put you uh, at the forefront here, made time for us today. How and where will your book be available? How can listeners or students uh, get a hold of you and, you know, get in touch with, with your process, the ungraduated process? It is. Yeah. So we're starting a community that's pretty much getting off the ground right now, but I would say For one, if your listeners can't tell, I do love talking. So you're Richard listens. Well, I could be Ken talks, but um, I love talking about these things. It it gets me excited. So anybody who's listening, any walk of life, reach out. I'm going to be working mostly with entrepreneurs and executives, people that can make impact in their own lives, as well as the people that they lead. But I'll talk to anybody about any topic, life improving. And the place to go for that is ungraduated.com. The website at the time of this recording is getting a makeover. It will be all redone right now. It's more of a blog, but you have my contact info on there. The book's already out. So ungraduated, finding your why and dropping out of outdated belief systems is available on Amazon. It actually came out two weeks ago and we got a number one new book release in its category, which isn't a small category. It's Um, new age, self-help and spirituality. I know the word new age might freak some folks out, but this has been stuff that's been around for hundreds of years. And I had a great launch team who helped me with it. So I got to give them props. Uh, They, I couldn't have done it without them. So we sold pretty good amount of books in the first uh, week. We'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, I check out the website, check out the book. And I have a podcast, as we mentioned earlier, Ungraduated Living and Learning, where we go deep on these kinds of topics as well as much more. But the hub for all things will be ungraduated.com. Amazing. And how often are you recording and releasing shows? So I I do a daily show that is uh, pre-batched out with my schedule and my time management. It's not exactly current events, but I batch episodes for daily releases that are short, five to seven minute bursts of inspiration that help challenge the thought process and maybe get the ungraduation, the removal of the old and get the new perspectives in. And I even tie stuff together from scriptures of all different types. So that's the daily inspirational five to seven minutes, morning or night. And then we do like a a Sunday deep dive interview or solo episode. So I'm on six out of seven days a week. So it's not quite daily. I have one open day at this point on the podcast on the podcast, but I do love doing it because I get to, you know, I get to meet and talk to folks like you and talk about things that are my purpose in life, trying to help people become more empowered and shed limiting life beliefs that they may not even know they have. So 
Incredible. I was going to say, what's one fun or creative thing that you do that keeps you rested and recharged? Yeah. Well, hey, I love being in nature. It is my absolute moment of recharge and it might be a short walk. I try to get out and go for an evening walk every day or if I'm on a lunch break, but being outdoors, I love to run and be on trails. I don't like to run in the streets very often of busy cities, but get me out in nature by a lake in the mountains. Beaches are fantastic too, but they don't have many in Ohio besides Lake Erie. So I, I just try to get out in nature. That's my mental recharge. And of course, I'd be remiss if my wife, the times I need to have reassurance and some consultation and some balance, just having a great conversation with her is honestly recharging. And I'm not just saying that because she might listen. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure and my honor to have Ken Hanneman from The Ungraduated. Please check him out on Facebook at Ken Hanneman, H-A-N-N-A-M-A-N, or on Instagram at Ungraduated Living. Uh, you can also reach him via his email if you want to learn more about questioning your belief systems, khanneman at ungraduated.com. This is Richard. Thank you for listening to Richard Listen Broadcast. It's an honor to have you. If you or someone you know need help, please reach out to me via richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. Mm-hmm.